All right, everyone, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod. Yes, we have another episode, and yes, it wasn't a month break. This is episode 40, presented by Blue Wire Hustle, and we should have a full crew tonight. I got Aaron with me now, and at some point, Manny will possibly be joining us. Aaron, what's going on, man? How was your weekend? Nick, it was good. I went up to Vancouver, British Columbia. And had a pretty good time up there. Was up there for two nights. And then I uh, ventured back uh, ventured back over here to Washington and checked out a couple ghost towns here. Um, oh, God. <laughs> but in the progress of all this happening, I got my teeth cleaned last week. And uh, for no reason whatsoever, my, my gums right behind my two front teeth swole up. They're still swollen gone to the dentist and an oral surgeon since then and uh they can't figure out what's wrong Uh, so um i might be they they told me just to like swish salt water and give it a week and see if the inflammation goes down but in the meantime i might have a little bit of a lisp i can't because my tongue keeps hitting that freaking bump so uh please forgive me if i sound a little funky that's fun. I've never heard of that one happening before just for a routine teeth cleaning, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's because of the teeth cleaning or if it just so happened that my teeth got ir- or my gums got irritated right afterwards, but either way it's not that enjoyable. I yeah, it doesn't sound like it. But uh, uh what's going on with you? Nothing much, man. I spent this weekend basically just on my ass watching football and uh it was great. We had some pretty good games. I mean, some of the games were duds and kind of blowouts. I'm looking at you, uh, Pittsburgh. But for the most part, the games were, I would say, compelling. And I certainly got the result I was looking for. I know, unfortunately, for for you and Manny, it wasn't exactly the outcome you guys were probably hoping for or wanting. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So. This episode will basically, we'll kind of talk about, obviously, Rams-Cardinals, and we'll talk Rams-Bucks, obviously, and then we'll do a little bit of a discussion into some of the other playoff games, because, like I said, all the games, for the most part, were pretty competitive, and there was definitely some compelling storylines in the games that are, I think, worth talking about. The Rams-Cardinals game went way different than... I had anticipated. I don't know. I know last week when we spoke about the 49ers and Rams game, you said that you were hungover. So you didn't exactly catch that one. Were you able to catch this game at all? Yeah, I was able to actually watch the first half. Uh, The second half I was driving, but I had it on the radio. So I was able to listen to at least the second half of the game. Old school. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know exactly like what in your mind you thought like how this game was going to go but I figured the Rams were going to win I was hoping they were going to win but I didn't think it was going to go like this I mean this was a clowning by the Rams in my opinion I think if you're a Cardinals fan you should be embarrassed especially after they started the season I think they were 8-0 I think at one point they started they were like the last undefeated team in the NFL And they came out and looked unprepared. They looked unmotivated. It looked bad. I don't know what you thought, but that's what I took away from just my initial impression of the game overall 
Yeah, I I mean like like I said, I gotta watch that first half. And looking at the Cardinals, they look defeated. I same with you. Anticipated the Rams to win this game, but I didn't think their defense was going to do it in such a convincing manner, especially with their two starting safeties out uh, with yeah. Fuller and Rap both out. Uh, you know the I thought the Rams defense looked superb. Um, at least from the first half, from what I witnessed with my own eyes. Uh, yeah, this was a, a lot. It was one of those games where I can kind of kick back and relax. And Kyler Murray, I think that first half was terrible. And oh, there, was yeah. a, there was a stat, I think, just before halftime where they had like negative one total yards. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> actually, bad. I have the stat and uh, they had minus four net yards on their first four drives of the game. That's solid defense. <laughs> That's bonkers. That's beyond solid. That's crazy. Yeah. An NFL team, if you like break it down, it's an NFL offense. It's an NFL offense with Kyler Murray. Okay. And they had four drives and had net negative four not even zero zero would have been a positive for them they had negative four that's crazy for a playoff game yeah it was pretty bad (laughs) and like you said two our starting safeties were out and one of our safeties that we were using in the game was a guy that had been retired since 2019 (laughs) but thankfully Everyone else, you know, picked him up and we really didn't need him to be great. And I think we had said last week that if we really needed him to be great, that was going to be a problem, but it didn't yeah. come to that. And yeah. And from the offensive side, I mean, Cam Akers, he's starting to come alive. At least that's what I'm hoping for. He, uh, he had, I mean, he had a bad drop at one point, but um, I mean, overall there's big improvement, I think from this week versus last week. Uh, with Cam Akers, and then I don't know what's going on with OBJ. Is he starting to gain momentum here? Because this yeah. would be a perfect time. Uh, they didn't really even need Cooper Cup this game. Uh, yeah, and for me personally, I like that because I've been saying for weeks they need to get him more involved, and I don't think you can, especially in the playoffs, I don't think you can go into a game and – expect the other defense to let Cooper cup get 10 catches a game. If you go into a game and you expect that to happen, I think you're setting yourself up for failure because I think any defensive coordinator worth his weight in salt is going to be like, Hey, we're playing the Rams. They like to throw to Cooper cup. We'll just take that away. And then they can figure it out. Yeah. That's probably bad. Right? So they're actually getting Beckham involved. And I think, we might be able to put that narrative to bed that Odell was the problem in Cleveland. I don't know how you feel about that, but I know for me, the whole thing about Odell being the problem everywhere he goes and he's a diva and all that other stuff. I don't really buy into that anymore. Um, When he went to Cleveland, I was kind of on the fence about it. Didn't really know. It was kind of like a wait and see thing, but after everything shook out in Cleveland, and he's done all of this with the Rams and there's been no issues or problems. Um, I, I personally am, am now I'm kind of over that whole narrative. I think we can put that to bed. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I still need some more convincing. 
I think Odell Beckham Jr., the way I'm looking at it right now, he's probably just saying, thank God I'm off the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and he's True. getting he's getting some opportunity in the end zone. So he's getting touchdowns. He's getting to, you know, get that ego boost a little bit with those touchdowns. Um, I think if he were put back into the same situation where they just weren't throwing him the ball or he had a you know quarterback that was with poor accuracy, uh, I feel like you might see him start to get more verbal again. But um, I, I feel like his he has been limited in his targets. I mean, it's clear in comparison to Cooper Cup and you know sharing the ball with Van Jefferson. And, but um, I, I think he's excited to be on a winning team, and I think he's excited to get the oppor- that end zone opportunity. And especially after that last game, I'm sure he's you know feeling rather fulfilled to have his what, six receptions and a touchdown again. So. I am not convinced he is not a potential toxic player if he is not getting his way or is not getting, um, you know, the ball thrown his way and getting touchdowns or, you know, just having that opportunity to really um, just have, you know, to get that ego stroked. Uh, Well, like they say, winning cures everything. So certainly, certainly while they're winning and while they're in the playoffs, he's definitely going to be happy. And we'll see what happens if the team decides to bring him back next year. What happens if the team doesn't succeed or whatever. But like I said, for me, I'm kind of over that narrative. Um, The way that everything shook out in Cleveland, I think it was pretty obvious that for whatever reason, I hope someone does like a 30 for 30 or a documentary on this at some point. But something happened between him and Baker because they just did not see eye to eye. We never heard, or at least I certainly didn't hear about any stories coming out of the locker room or animosity between them. But clearly something something was going on between them because they just never got along on the field as far as clicking and chemistry. Um, and, and Baker also had a bad year. I think that's not really debatable, but something happened between them where they just did not see eye to eye and there was no chemistry whatsoever. Um, but certainly different guy here in LA. And interestingly enough, it was a big game for him, not only in the fact that Rams won, but he had a big impact on the game and he got a, a big impact in his checking account as well, because Odell, when he got on with the Rams, he got a incentive laden deal. And a lot of those incentives were tied to postseason success. So he caught the 30 yard touchdown pass. And he also threw the touchdown pass. And he actually became the first player in NFL history to have a touchdown catch and uh, throw a touchdown. So that's actually pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. But also, because they won the game, he also got a $500,000 bonus in his salary um, for winning the game. And if they beat the Buccaneers, he's going to get a $750,000 bonus. So a lot of incentive there for Odell to be a good teammate and uh, play well and win. So a uh, big game for Odell, not only in the stat sheet, but also in the record books as far as uh, history goes and also in his checkbook, because who amongst us wouldn't want an extra $500,000? Yeah, 
that would be nice for just winning a game. And I have to have a correction real quick. He only had four receptions. For some reason, I thought he had more than that, but... I didn't even know. I like when you said six. I thought it sounded accurate. I should have. I don't have the. That. I don't. Have, yeah, I don't have the full box score in front of me. Um, but as as far as the the game itself and box scores and stuff like that, um, the the thing I guess that struck me the most was the commitment to the run game. I didn't see that coming. I've been preaching it all year, if not last year too that we need to run the damn ball and they actually did it. I, I was like, Holy crap. They're actually running the ball. And like you said, cam Akers looked really good for a guy, especially coming off a torn Achilles dude was like hitting people. He was not shying away from contact. He wasn't running gingerly. He looked like an absolute stud out there. And Obviously, I can say this after the fact because he's out of the hospital and he's okay now, but that hit that he laid on Buda Baker was disgusting. Um, He flat out just put him to sleep, laid him out, and that kind of hit coming from a a running back is kind of surprising for me because I know... I wouldn't expect a guy of Cam Akers' size to do something like that if if someone like, I don't know, Mark Ingram or um, Derrick Henry did that to somebody, I'd be like, yeah, those are big dudes. But the fact that Cam Akers was able to do that was kind of crazy to me. But I I think you were able to catch that, right? That was before the half? Um, Yeah, I think that was just before the half. I definitely saw replays over and over of it again. It was okay. a vicious hit. Yeah, he laid him out. <laughs> yeah, that it was bad. Was... Um, and then I don't think Akers realized that he was hurt. Uh, you know, yeah, the, he got to the, the sideline and kind of was like, oh, crap. Yeah, there was uh, some animosity the rest of the game after that because initially Cam kind of did this hand gesture like, hey, stay down kind of thing. And after he started to walk away, he kind of realized, I think, when everyone was going towards Buddha that there he was kind of like, oh, Oh, okay. And I think once he realized what was going on, he was like, hey, you know, my bad. And he even tweeted after the game, like, hey, I hope he's okay. Prayers to him, all that stuff. And he is okay. He's out of the hospital now. He's good. Tweet? What's a tweet? Yeah, I know. It's not really (laughs) your thing. Uh, Well, one other uh, surprising stat, too, just the running game. And I will agree, too, with your statement is that I was actually really happy that they, they stuck heavy with the run this game heavy as in heavy for the Rams in the running game. But uh, Cam Akers actually had more rushing attempts than uh, Sony Michelle uh, 17 yeah. to 13. So he, he handled the ball more than Sony Michelle. I wonder yeah. if that's going to be something we see going forward. I feel like it is, which is kind of crazy because Sony did really well the past couple weeks of the season. So it's kind of weird because you would think, I don't know. I, would think that you'd want to stick with the established guy that's playing really well, not coming off an Achilles injury. But if this game is any sort of indication, apparently Sean McVay is like, no, 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 Cam's good and he's the guy, so he's going to get the ball. Um, But like you said, he had 17 carries. Michelle had 13. Uh, Michelle was able to turn his 13 into 58 yards. Cam turned his 17 into 55. 
And if you would have told me before the game that Matt Stafford was only going to throw the ball 17 times, I would have told you, okay, well, we lost. I don't know how, just based on how we've played this season and our game plans and stuff like that, there's no way I would have been like, oh, well, then we won. Um, But somehow... Stafford turned his 17 throws into a pretty awesome performance. He completed 13 of them, had 202 yards and two touchdowns. And I think the big thing that we could all agree on is no turnovers, right? Yes, no turnovers, finally. Yeah. Uh, So the Rams, this is actually a very interesting stat that I came across. The Rams became just the 12th team in playoff history to have 370 total yards, a 20-point point differential and allow less than 190 total yards and 3.4 yards per play in a single game. The last team to accomplish that was uh, the Giants in the uh, 2001 NFC Championship game. So that hasn't been done in quite some time. And that's kind of like a very odd stat to put everything together. But 370 total yards and a 20 point differential and only allowing 190. Essentially what that all translates to is just domination. The Rams were just very dominant in this game. Um, I I don't know if we'll get another performance like that as a team, but if we do, I don't know how we lose. I, I don't know who beats us because that kind of performance is, it's it's unstoppable, right? I mean, I don't know what how, how you can't really defend that. It's just what do you do, right? So yeah. I mean, look at how they handled Kyler Murray. He, I mean, they dominated him. He only got I think six yards rushing is what I'm seeing here on the stat line. Uh, that's insane uh, for Kyler Murray, and he was 19 completions for thir- 34 attempts with two interceptions, no touchdowns. Their defense killed it. They put a lot of pressure on him, and then they got turnovers and a touchdown. So yeah, the, that that pick really six, by good. the way, when that happened, I was losing my mind, dude. Oh, I was yeah. I was jumping up and down. I was going crazy. That play was nuts. Troy Reader looked like he broke Kyler Murray in half on that play. I thought <laughs> yeah. I thought after that play that Kyler was going to be hurt because he literally looked like he almost disappeared. He like broke in half. I was like, uh, is Kyler going to be okay? Cause he looked like he got jacked the hell up on that. Um, so credit to Troy reader. One of the guys that we've been kind of saying all year is kind of a detriment in this offense, but he got the pressure, got the hit on Kyler. And for whatever reason, Kyler was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just throw this up. Um, I don't need to take the safety. I don't need to take the smart play here. I'll just throw this up. And he threw it up right to David Long Jr. and turned into a pick six. And I think, I I don't remember for sure, and I don't have this in front of me, so I could be wrong. I want to say on the broadcast, they said that was the shortest pick six in postseason history. I could be wrong. It might have just been in wild card round history or something like that, but I definitely saw or heard someone say that was the shortest pick six in like postseason history of some kind. So um, someone can fact check me on that. Either way, crazy, crazy. Um, I think 
if you're a Cardinals fan, you gotta be gotta be at a crossroads right now because like I said earlier, this team started eight no, everything was looking great. And then for whatever reason, Cliff Kingsbury has this weird track record of not being a finisher. Um this is going back all the way to 2013 when he was with Texas Tech. So just kind of follow my, my trail here. So 2013 with Texas Tech, and this is all Texas Tech, right? So 2013, he lost five of six. And these are all end of season, by the way. 2014, lost four of six. 15, he lost four of six. 16, he lost six of eight. In 17, he lost six of eight. And then in 18, he lost five of five. Then he gets the Cardinals job in 2019. And since he's been with the Cardinals, he lost seven of nine. Last year, they lost five of seven. And this year, they lost five of six. So this isn't like a recent thing. All the way back to 2013, he's just not a finisher. Something about his teams and his offensive schemes it's like everyone figures it out and it's like a weird combination of his offense gets figured out and his teams are either unprepared or unmotivated or both. I don't know, but I, I will say it looked like after the first drive that the Rams put on them, the Cardinals players looked defeated and they looked completely unmotivated and they looked like they just wanted to get the hell out of there. Honestly, that's how it looked to me. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I have heard some rumblings that there could be some issues with Cliff and his job security. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there, but I would say it's probably justified at this point because I feel like it's really hard to have Kyler Murray and some of those guys that they have on offense. I know uh, DeAndre Hopkins was hurt, but... Still, they, they don't have bums on that team. They have some good players. And to have that start and the way they finished and the performance in that playoff game, I feel like it's kind of justified to question whether Cliff is really the guy for this team. Did you have any sort of like, I don't know, opinion on the Cardinals and kind of like, their season as a whole or kind of like where they go from here? I mean, I felt like he kind of summed it up. They had an amazing start and complete collapse. And as you mentioned, I also heard reports of, uh, you know, the head coaches track record with, you know, not being able to finish. So I don't really know what they do at this point. Uh, do you do you stick with the coach you got now? Um, I mean, obviously he gets them off to an amazing, uh, amazing start. I feel like he's, he's a decent coach. Uh, he's got a significant amount of wins uh, under his belt in the NFL. But when you get to this point in the season, your team shouldn't have peaked, you know, halfway into the season. And then now it's all downhill from there. I mean, your team should be progressively getting better and better and better and peaking um, each game, you know, as it's as it comes. So, I mean, they should be peaking. They should have been peaking at the wild card game. And if they won, they should be peaking at this divisional round game. 
Uh, instead, they peaked eight, nine weeks ago. Uh, you know, how, do, how does he work on keeping his team motivated throughout the season? I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do in the offseason. But they're a good team. I mean, the Cardinals, uh, they proved to be a really good team to start the season. But uh, whatever happened here at the end just was a total collapse. And, yeah, it's not going to help when you have your best wide receiver, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, that's been out the last few weeks. You know, I give them a little bit of credit for not having their best receiver on the field. But, man, that game against the Rams was an absolute disaster. And I, I don't really know what – what to say for those for that team at this stage Uh, i'm happy it's not the rams injuries are a part of the game and i would point to the titans this year they haven't had aj um brown for a while and they went almost it felt like almost the whole season without a healthy julio jones or a healthy uh derrick henry for that matter and they're the number one seed in the afc and the afc is stacked so yeah injuries are a part of the game and you should be able to overcome that to some extent and I felt like they didn't at all and Christian Kirk isn't a bad wide receiver and they got Zach Ertz and he's not a bad tight end they didn't use Zach Ertz hardly at all yeah not really um and uh the other guy that they kind of brought along late in the season um I can't remember his name I, I keep forgetting his name but he looked like he was a pretty good talent at wide receiver so it's not oh, a Wesley? team. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I can't, I yeah, he, his name. he looked pretty solid. I think it's why uh, Antoine or Antoine, I don't know, but something Wesley. You can't, I don't know, a team with Kyler Murray just to to have that kind of finish and that, that performance in a playoff game, that's kind of inexcusable. Um, I feel like there's got to be 25 or 26 other NFL teams if you called them and said, hey, uh, would you like Kyler Murray? And all of those teams would immediately be like, uh, yeah. So he's, he's one of those, he's one of the great quarterbacks in our league. So you should be able to put up some kind of effort, but they didn't. Uh, I think JJ Watt might've summed it up the best that he was asked after the game, how he would describe the Cardinals season as a whole. And he said, quote, it was a massive failure. And I don't disagree. So next, our next uh, matchup is uh, actually a rematch. And this is turning into, I don't want to say a rivalry, but it's almost turning into a regular series. It's like a, we see these guys, it seems like multiple times a year now. Uh, we, we beat them last year in the regular season. And when we did it last year, we were their first loss of 2020. And if I remember correctly, and we were their first loss this year. And it's kind of fascinating because that matchup was in week three and the matchup that's coming up this weekend, it's, it's like, it's two different teams because they're in very different places uh, for both teams than where they were at week three. So that first week, the Rams won 34, 24, and this was kind of one of Matthew Stafford's like coming out party games. Um, a lot of hype. Obviously, you're going against the Super Bowl champions. We were at home. Stafford comes out and throws for 343 yards and four touchdowns. And 
you know, we were all like, holy crap, we're going to the Super Bowl, best offense in the league, you know. Um, but now we have a playoff game where Stafford only throws 17 times, and it looks like we're kind of gravitating more towards the run game. And as far as the odds makers are concerned, the Rams are still going into this game as two and a half point underdogs, which I guess is kind of a surprise. I'm not saying they should be favorites by any means, but two and a half points is not very much. So the people in Vegas certainly think this is going to be a close competitive game. And uh, I, I would agree. I don't think this is going to be a blowout either way for, for any team. Um, I think the biggest key to that victory in week three was our offensive line did an amazing job. Uh, he was only sacked one time in that game and he was only hit four times. So that against that defense, that's phenomenal. If you can do that again this weekend, I like our chances. I like our chances a lot. Uh, Cause Tampa Bay is one of those teams that they don't even need to blitz to get pressure because their front four is pretty good. Uh, but they still blitz actually quite a bit. And when they start doing that, it could get kind of hairy back there. And uh, we'll see where Whitworth is with his status. He didn't practice today. Um, hopefully he's out there. Obviously, if we didn't have him, that'd be uh, kind of a huge blow. But um, I think if we could get another performance like that from our offensive line where Stafford has some time and he can stay upright and we can keep his jersey clean, I like our chances. Um maybe the other key to that game was the Rams got up so quickly in that game. The, the Buccaneers couldn't even try to run the ball. They couldn't uh, try to have any balance. It, Brady ended up throwing the ball 55 times in that game, which is absurd for someone his age or, or any quarterback, but he threw the ball 55 times in that game. Uh, so if we get into another situation where, Rams are up early and we kind of have to, we can take away that whole element. You know, that's just something else that we can use against them. Um, going into this game, do, do you think that, do you think that same formula from the Cardinals game can beat the Buccaneers? Do you think that this team is capable of running on the Buccaneers or do you think that they're going to have to change up something offensively? for this Buccaneers defense. Well, I see Manny's on now, so that's always a good sign. Oh, Manny's here? Yeah, it looks like it. I see Moby Dick on our oh, list here. Oh, yeah, so he likes to do that when he comes Manny. into the, the room. <laughs> it's a big it's a little behind the curtain. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, let me, let's finish this question, and then we'll kind of get Manny caught up. But... Aaron, as far as the offense going against the Bucks defense, do you think same scheme, same sort of concept can work as far as pounding the ball and Stafford only throwing like 17, 20 times? Do you think that can beat this Bucks team or do you think they need to do something different? Truthfully, I think that could beat this Bucks team. And primarily what I'm looking at is time of possession and wearing the defense down. So I'm looking at, Tampa Bay's offense and they're hurting. I mean, they got no Chris Godwin. Um, you know, Antonio Brown is gone, that whack job. And Leonard Fournette, is he gonna be back this week? I don't know. And if he is, is he gonna be healthy? I don't know. 
So what are we looking at? We're looking at Ronald Jones. Is he even healthy? Probably Keyshawn Vaughn uh, running back. And then your only real receivers, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. Maybe be careful of Cameron Bray, but um, I don't think I don't think the Buccaneers offense is going to be scoring at will. And so I think that's going to give the Rams offense an opportunity to run the ball a lot more and hopefully the control a little bit more of that time of possession. And as the Rams do, they're a phenomenal passing team. So you share the ball with the run and then um, and then, you know, the defense for the Buccaneers isn't going to be maybe pressuring Stafford as much because they're not going to be expecting him to throw it every single time. They might actually be, oh, they might run the ball this time. So for me, I would say keep it the way you did it against the Cardinals. Let's see how it works. You pound that ball, make that defensive line, make those linebackers wear them down, make the defense tired because I don't see the offense. I mean, they got Brady, that guy, but I just don't see the Buccaneers offense being as potent right now as they had been in the past. And Honestly, I'm I'm surprised that the Eagles were as close as they were against the Buccaneers last week. I thought they were going to get blown out. <laughs> hey, Manny. So <laughs> that already tells me right there, maybe maybe the Buccaneers are hurting right now. They barely yeah. beat the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a tough shot. Fifteen points. <laughs> Well, we'll get to the Eagles. We'll get to the Eagles. I don't want to get Manny riled up right now. And then I'm, I'm 20 mostly, minutes later, I mostly we'll, just wanted to get Manny riled. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Buccaneers offense too. one of the, the big, big concerns that they're going to have this weekend is their right tackle. Tristan Wirfs, who's one of the best right tackles in the game. He's questionable right now. And Ryan Jensen, their center, he's questionable as well. And he's one of the best centers in the league too. So, yeah and for a defensive line that has leonard floyd aaron donald and Greg Gaines, uh and Ashawn robinson's been playing very well too so for if you're those guys and you're raheem morris you gotta be you know licking your chops because i think we've seen historically the one thing you can do to neutralize brady is pressure him and keep the ball away from him. So like Aaron was saying, if you can control time of possession and if you can pressure him, I mean, that's kind of the recipe for beating Brady because he's not really going to, you know, throw picks and fumble the ball. That's really not what he does. So I, I think like best case scenario, or I guess I should say, if you're a Rams fan, this is the best case scenario, right? Like if you were to, you know, write a script and be like, Hey, how can the Rams like definitely win this game? That's a huge start. Be like, Oh, well, we'll take away two of their best offensive linemen. How about that? That's pretty awesome. The, Oh, the other note too was uh Levante David, one of their best linebackers. Uh, he's questionable too. So if that, if he's not playing either, I mean, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's all lining up for the Rams, but that's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. Um, but back to what I was saying earlier about these two teams being in kind of completely different spots, or I guess just being two different 
different different teams now. Week three, the Rams had Deshaun Jackson and Robert Woods. Obviously, we're not going to have either of those guys for this game, but this time around, we've got Odell and Von Miller. So there's that. Um, obviously, Fuller isn't going to be back for this game, so we're still not going to have him at safety. And uh, Rap didn't practice today with his concussion, so his status is still going to be up in the air. But based on the play that we saw against the Cardinals, I, I think we'll be okay at safety. Uh, Nick Scott delivered a pretty big hit to AJ Green to uh, break up a pass. And uh, I don't know specifically what uh, Eric Weddle did because he didn't really show up in the stat sheet. And I don't remember seeing him on any plays necessarily, but I he didn't give up any plays either. So that I guess that's the good news, right? Uh, well, I guess since I asked Aaron kind of what he thought about the game and, and, and the Rams offense, I'll kind of ask you, Manny, cause I don't know if you heard, uh, the full question, but obviously against the Cardinals, the Rams prioritized the run game. So what I was asking Aaron was, do you think the Rams can go into this game and do that same blueprint and win? So I'll ask you, do you think the Rams can go into Tampa and play a physical run first kind of game and win. I'm glad you're there.
which he does, which he does. That's kind of one of his things. I would personally like to see more than 17 th uh, attempts. I certainly don't think we need to be in the 30s. I don't know if I trust the offense to be efficient carrying the ball that many times, but I certainly think that we need to have a running game because like I'm like I'm with you. I I certainly don't want to see Stafford throw the ball 30 plus times. Um but I think if if we if we start getting towards that, I think that's where the issues come in because now you're kind of like, okay, is Stafford going to throw a pick? Is we're gonna are we going to get strip sacked? Like those kinds of things are magnified in the playoffs. So I don't know if we could win with Stafford throwing seventeen or twenty, but I feel like twenty five, twenty six. I feel like that would be kind of a, a better spot to be in because uh, McVeigh has shown historically that against this Buccaneers defense. He knows kind of how to game plan them and scheme them. So
Yeah, we were talking about that right before you got on, actually, about how Cam looks like a completely different running back than what I remember and how he's uh, looking for contact and he's lowering or I guess I'd say delivering the boom. Um, It reminds me of uh, Marshawn. That was the first guy that came to my mind was especially that hit on Buddha Baker. I was like, damn, like he literally looked over, saw Buddha and was like, I'm not going to stiff arm him. I'm not going to try and jab step him. I'm not going to juke him. I'm going to lower my shoulder and I'm going to fucking hit this guy. And that's what he did. Uh, So Cam is running with some force right now. And again, I don't think it could be overstated. The guy tore his Achilles like, what is it? Eight months ago? Something like that. Like crazy. It's absolutely crazy what he's doing. So uh, certainly this Rams team is very different than that Rams team from week three. And it looks like we have a legitimate weapon in Odell now, um, which we haven't really seen this season. But like you said, it looks like we have a bona fide like number two right now where. Yeah, like. And we saw in the Cardinals game, and it wouldn't surprise me in this game either because why the hell not do it again? I'm sure that's what Sean's thinking. It's, it, ha- it worked once. Why not do it again? We might see Odell throw another pass because he's done it before. Historically, he's, he's you know been that kind of gadget guy where if you want to do like a tricky play or like a reverse and throw the ball, he's more than capable. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried something like that again or if they tried a fake where some kind of reverse or something and set it up to make it look like he was throwing it, but you know, they did something else. So it's, it's like, he's kind of an actual weapon now. And before the past couple of weeks, it had kind of been like, okay, like a couple catches here and there, 10, 12 yards, 20 yards, whatever. But uh, that Cardinals game was kind of like his coming out party. It was like, holy crap, this is the Odell that we were promised. We, we're getting it. This is great. So I would love to see a, a nice balance between pass and run, set up play action. I I would I would love to see that. Um, I honestly, the first couple days after that win, I was like, man, we're playing the Bucks again. I don't know. I don't know. But the more I've thought about it and also – Today, with the injury reports coming out and seeing who might not be available for the Bucks, I'm all in on the Rams at this point. I honestly think the Rams are going to win this game. I don't know by how much. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive. Whether it's three points, four points, seven, I, I don't know. But I do think the Rams win this game. Do you guys feel comfortable saying the Rams win this game? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. Okay. Whoop that ass. Whoop that ass. Uh I'm only confident primarily because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are so beat up right now. Uh so I I think the Rams are gonna win it. 
Thank you, Eagles. Yeah, uh, if the if Tampa Bay had their full lineup, everybody was in, I would be nervous about this game. The fact that they're so beat up, I feel more confident. Not to say that they can't win still. Sometimes the better teams don't win. But uh, I think right now the Rams are the better team. And they have a full lineup. They're healthy. They are relatively healthy. So I can definitely see the Rams winning this. I feel pretty confident. Awesome. So we'll kind of get into a little bit of just a, a quick recap of some of the other games that went on this weekend. Just so everyone knows, I'm not talking about Steelers and Chiefs because the Steelers shouldn't have even been there in the first place. And that game was a joke. So I'm not even talking about it. Um, first game, Patriots bills, the bills won 47 to 17. And you guys know, because you're also baseball fans. Like I am, you guys know, in baseball, when a pitcher throws a perfect game, you know what that is in football. There's really no equivalent to a perfect game, but I think the bills had as close as you can get to a perfect offensive game. They had seven drives, seven touchdowns, and they never punted. They never kicked a field goal. It was seven drives, seven touchdowns, and Josh Allen looked amazing. He looked like the best quarterback in the league, and he did it against Bill Belichick and his defense. And oh, also, it was zero degrees outside. So that game was fun to watch. The Bills are a wagon and Rams Bill Super Bowl is still on. I'm still holding out hope for that one. Um, I don't know if you guys caught this game at all, but that game was something something to watch. That was that was a lot of fun. The Bills Patriots. Aaron, did you catch this game? 
I got bit. I got uh, bits and pieces of it, and I will say, since I am a Patriots hater, I love this game and was super into True. it. True. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Buffalo. Buffalo's really <laughs> they're looking good, man. Uh, this Dawson Knox guy, their tight end, is, yep, he's killing it right now. And then they got this guy Gabriel Davis. I mean, um, he stepped up when Cole Beasley got hurt, and I mean, they don't utilize him a ton, but he's getting some quality catches in there, getting some major yards. And and he's been getting a lot of touchdown. Uh, he's been stealing touchdowns from Stephon Diggs for at least the last few weeks, which kind of hurt my uh, fantasy football league. But <laughs> uh, I still did all right. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Super tough. Really tough. All amazing teams. Such good teams. Cole Beasley. I I just said he got hurt and Gabriel Davis stepped in for him. <laughs> so we've established that Manny is a Bills hater. That's and, uh, that's fine. And then Devin Singletary. Damn, that guy's been stepping it up the last few weeks. All right, I do give I do give you credit. I do give you credit. They have been playing some pretty shitty teams. I didn't I wasn't aware of um that you know, strenuous lineup of uh, games for their last few there. But Devin Singletary, I guess, has at least stepped up for those games, and he's been delivering too. I'm excited for this game. I'm definitely going to watch. Th- I'm definitely going to watch this one. I'm in town this weekend, so I don't have to worry about being on the road or any of that crap. So this game's going to be on my television, and I hope Buffalo whoops up on those queefs. I meant Chiefs. Yeah, well, I think they will, but... Uh, I think the Bills are a wagon, and that game was a ton of fun to watch. Um, the interception that uh, I believe it was Micah Hyde made uh, was absolutely insane. I I saw on Next Gen Stats he covered something like twenty yards in two point nine seconds, and that throw from Mac Jones wasn't a bad throw. That was a perfect throw that was going to drop right into his hands. And it, Micah Hyde just made a phenomenal play. That's like a one in a million play. It was amazing. I cannot believe he made that play. And the touchdown throw to Dawson Knox in real time, I thought he was throwing it away because Josh had nothing on that play. And it looked like he was just throwing it away. And somehow (laughs) Dawson Knox looked like he grew like two feet and came down with it. And what's funny is after the game, they asked Josh about it, and Josh actually admitted that, yeah, I was throwing it away. I didn't know he was going to catch that. So it, it's it's crazy. That's kind of how you know that you're like a team of destiny. When you're like trying to throw the ball away and you're coming down with touchdowns, like, damn, you're, you're something's going on. Um, 
next game, this is not going to be a fun discussion for Aaron. We'll talk a little Raiders Bengals. Um, I don't know what it is about the Raiders and maybe Aaron does. I don't know what it is about them, but for some reason, whenever they get into the playoffs, controversy and sadness just kind of follows them. (laughs) I don't understand it, but obviously everyone knows about the tuck game and the tuck rule and the Raiders get into this game and it's like Derek Carr's first postseason game and everyone's hyped. And then they have this play where Joe Burrow rolls out of the pocket. It looks like he goes out of bounds, but his feet never touch the ground and he throws a, a touchdown pass, but the ref blows a whistle, but the play doesn't get called and it should have been blown dead. And the play, the down is supposed to be replayed, but they didn't do any of that. The touchdown stood and the Bengals end up winning 26-19. So I, I don't know really what to say about this one. I'll let the Raiders fan handle this one. So, Aaron, the floor is yours. How did you feel about the game? Oh, well, it was heartbreak. And I will say that the end of the game was entertaining, and I was excited that the Raiders had an opportunity to at yeah, least Yeah, it tie got close there at the end. It wasn't the easy. Game. Yeah, they had Yeah, yeah, I don't dis- I don't disagree, all right. <laughs> I know and he was he was like running back, coming back away from the end zone too. So even if he caught it, his momentum was going to carry him away from the end zone. Anyways, I don't want to talk about. But that play, that play to Tyler Boyd. Uh, yeah, I mean Burrow did not step out of bounds and he threw the ball a, a, what appeared to be a good ball to Tyler Boyd, Boyd, and he caught the touchdown. However, the rest did blow the whistle. We could hear it. Everybody heard it, at least from on television. They blew the whistle before he caught the ball. And the way I look at that is, is if the defenders hear that whistle get blown, they might not you know, continue with the play. So maybe that defender stretches his hand out that extra inch or however far and deflects the ball. You know, you never know what happens. He heard the whistle. Maybe he let up just that, you know, split second. And uh, Tyler Boyd had a better opportunity of catching that football. And then you go back to the rest and they're like, no, we blew the whistle after, after the catch, after the catch. And then I hear things that, you know, during reviews. Okay. So technical difficulty, uh, apparently our recording got cut off at some point because Manny, uh, is a individual and he's selfish and he had to leave. <laughs> so when he left, it cut off everybody. So we're back and I don't know exactly where it cut us off, but we were talking about the Raiders and Bengals game. Um, is one thing that we wanted to mention about the officiating and we had kind of talked about how bad it's been this year. Um, Aaron had brought up a point that I think is worth mentioning here on the podcast about that group of officials specifically. So what was it that you heard or I guess read Aaron about those officials? Yeah. So what I had read was that those officials will not be officiating any more NFL games throughout the playoffs. So at least for the remainder of this year, none of those officials will be officiating a game. Uh, due to their bad work against the uh, the Bengals and Raiders game there. Yeah, and that's pretty, that's pretty damning um, when the NFL comes out and says, 
hey, uh, that group of officials, um, they're not working again this postseason. Like, that's them essentially telling you, hey, those guys did a really bad job, and um, we're not putting them back out there again. Yeah, and so you had the, uh, it's like you mentioned, they had the tuck roll, now they have the uh, phantom whistle. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate for Raiders fans, man. That really sucks. Um, and that was Jerome Boger's crew, which if you're hardcore NFL fan, um, you learn which officials are good ones and which ones, which ones are kind of the bad ones and stuff like that. And I know from games I've watched, anytime I see Boger, I know he's trash. Um, every got, time that guy got a terrible score this year, apparently on his reviews. Well, he should. So I don't, I don't know why he was in the playoffs to begin with. Yeah. And I, the NFL does this thing too. And sometimes they do this in baseball when the playoff, uh, playoff start and they do expanded, um, umpire rosters where they'll give the crews an extra two guys. Um, that part I kind of get because why not? It's always, especially in baseball, good to have more umpires down the lines, but in football, they do this weird thing where sometimes in the postseason they do, like I guess what in their opinion is like a super crew and they take one official and then they take a bunch of referees from other crews and then just put them together. And in their mind, they're thinking, well, we're taking all these highly rated officials and we're putting them all together. So obviously they're all going to be good together, but it doesn't really work that way because I don't think they're factoring in the human element of when you have a crew that you work with game after game after game, you kind of learn each other's tendencies and habits and how you guys work together and what you guys see and don't see and, and things like that. And so for me in football, especially in a, in a game that's very, very fast and you know, everything's measured in inches and yards. I don't know why they do that. It sounds like a really bad idea, but yeah, Jerome Boger should not be an official for the NFL anymore. I don't know what the solution is, but officiating was terrible this year. I've heard some people say that what the NFL needs to do is they need to go to a um, full-time uh, route where they have officials that are hired on full-time and that's all they do is just their full-time officials. So even in the off season, they're working on their craft and, and studying and, and doing things like that because these guys in their off time, they're, you know, lawyers or their engineers or whatever like this is just something they do on Sundays it's not like their primary job so I've heard some people say that that's a possible solution I don't know if that would really fix it to be honest I think it would help I don't know how much but yeah, yeah I'm the- not sure and you brought up a good point I had heard that the for the playoffs too they kind of had these teams uh, assembled from you know, all these different officials for different games or it's not the same teams as the regular season They're, Yeah. It's all these uh, random guys kind of pieced together to officiate a game. And, you know, you do bring up a good point is that, you know, you look at a football team, they have good chemistry because they work together every day. Exactly. And you, you split up a referee crew like this. Uh, you're breaking up that chemistry. They have chemistry too, as a team, they, they have ways of communicating with one another and, um, you know, understanding each other, like what kind of calls people do understanding, uh, it's all, it's all a chemistry thing. And you split these guys up and you bring new people in that's kind of broken. And I don't understand it entirely. I can see maybe some, some pros to it, but I feel like the cons would outweigh the pros in my opinion. Yeah, I really, 
I don't get it. It's not that's not something I can get on board with. And I don't know who, what good idea fairy thought that was the smart thing to do, but it's clearly not. And I think we would all agree in whatever job you work in. I know I have it in my profession, and I'm sure Aaron, you have it in yours. Sometimes these people in upper management, the good idea fairy shows up and uh, they try to implement these things that are just bad from the start. (laughs) It just doesn't work. But for whatever reason, they think it's a great idea. So we just kind of roll with it. Um, But yeah, that's definitely one that should not be a thing anymore. We'll move on to the Eagles Buccaneers game. Not much to say as far as a recap goes. This was another game that quite honestly, after the first offensive drive for the Buccaneers was over i think it's pretty clear that jalen hurts is not a threat as a passing quarterback he just isn't that guy i don't know if he ever will be maybe with time he will be but um it it was pretty clear in this game that he's just not that guy that's going to sit in a pocket and deliver a strike when you need it um and for a team that's so dependent on one element if you can't get that going you're kind of screwed so it, it, honestly, in my opinion, it's kind of a miracle that the Eagles even scored 15. And I think you had kind of touched on that earlier. Um, but yeah, the Eagles seemed out of it from the start. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch any of this game, but I didn't have high expectations at all for the Eagles. And yeah, as you mentioned, I was surprised they scored 15 points as well. I mean, they're all fourth quarter garbage points, but yeah. um, <laughs> it. I was not surprised that Tampa Bay ran away with this. And even with the amount of injuries that they have on their team, I really didn't even think the, and Manny's probably going to hate this. I didn't think the Eagles deserved to be in the playoffs. I didn't think they're a playoff worthy team, but somehow they made it in and yeah, Tampa Bay got them first. Yep. Um, and if you're an Eagles fan, I think the only name I really have to say is Jalen Rager. Um, that name's just going to be one of those names in Philly lore that kind of lives on for a while because you guys drafted him in the first round and you took him ahead of Justin Jefferson and the Vikings laughed in their draft room when you did. And now everyone else is laughing at you because Rager is, I think we could all say objectively, he's bad. He's a bad wide receiver. He's not good. Nick, he got, he got one reception for two yards. Right. Okay. My bad. So I retract my previous statement. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Hall of Fame track back on for Jalen Rager. Um, (laughs) The last game uh, that we're going to talk about is arguably, or I guess maybe not even arguably, it might be the game of the weekend. Uh, This was the 49ers and Cowboys game. And aside from the Rams game, this was the game I was looking forward to the most all weekend because I knew this was going to be a very competitive, close game. And I thought going into this game, the 49ers were going to win. And they ended up did winning uh, for 23-17. The uh, Cowboys, I don't I don't get it, right? Like all the hype there in America's team and blah, blah, blah. They're just not good. I, I they're, they're just not. And there's no reason why, like from a player standpoint, because they have good players, but they're just not it man they're just not um and mike mccarthy i think lost him that game because the call that is going to kind of be the call that everyone remembers from this game 
is the Cowboys are driving. They have all the momentum and they're trying to go down, score a touchdown. And if they score a touchdown, they kick the extra point, they win. Um, and for some reason, they call a quarterback draw with 14 seconds on the clock and no timeouts remaining. Um, it was like astounding watching it in real time. I, I immediately, as soon as he took off running, I was like, what the f- is happening? What's he doing? Yeah. Um, so the I, I don't understand like Mike McCarthy sometimes. Um, was that a Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore though? So the thing is, and I've, I've seen people bring that up. And the thing is, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator, but he has also, Mike McCarthy has also said in the past that every call he makes, McCarthy has already like authorized and been on board with. Mm-hmm. And even in the post game, when he was asked about it, McCarthy had no issue with the call. He said he liked the call. He said it was the right call and he would do it again. And I, for me, I totally disagree. And I, I thought in the post game that he was going to say something like, yeah, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have done that. And maybe he could have redeemed himself a little bit there. But for me, for him to come out and say, no, that's the right call. I'd do it again. I'm like, holy shit, dude, you're dumber than I think you are. So he would like to lose again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, I'm like, dude, are you serious? How, how can you confidently sit up there and say, after losing the game, that was the right call and you'd do it again? I'm like, man, you're dumb. So, <laughs> and also it's not like that was the only reason why um, the Cowboys lost. They had 14 penalties for over a hundred yards. And those were all good penalty calls. I don't remember one call against the Cowboys that I was like, uh, that one's kind of questionable or bad. They were all pretty egregious. They were all definitely penalties. So it wasn't just that call. I mean, the, the Cowboys had no intention of winning this game, uh, between their play calls and the penalties and everything else. The, there was so much more that went wrong for them besides just that one call. But, the 49ers are that scary team right now in the NFC that I don't think anybody really wants to play them, but they're going to get green Bay. So it's going to be 49ers at green Bay. Uh, we got Bengals at Tennessee and we've got bills at chiefs. So this next weekend of games is going to be pretty phenomenal. Um, the fascinating thing that sticks out to me the most is the fact that the possibility exists now where the 49ers can beat green Bay, the Rams can beat the bucks. And then we have a rematch in game three, 49ers and Rams. And it would be at SoFi for the NFC championship and the right to go to the super bowl. That possibility still exists. And that's crazy. And also scary to me because at this point in my mind, we could beat the Buccaneers by 50, and if we have to play the 49ers, I automatically am going to assume we're going to lose. So I that possibility existing is kind of fascinating to me. Um, real quickly, as far as these games go, do you want to do just a quick, like, you know, Bengals-Titans, who do you think wins that one? Bengals. Really? Okay. I do. Yeah. I, I, I am, you know... I'm kind of buying into the Derrick Henry train and him being back. And I'm going to go Titans on this one. You think he's going to be healthy. All right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm 
just going with it. I am, you know, like if he's out there in practice and they're good with it, he must be okay. And if Cam Akers can come back from a torn Achilles and be okay, then I'm going to just trust Derek Henry can come back from this uh, list Frank injury and he'll be okay. So we'll see. Um, And honestly, even if he's not that great, we've already seen this year, they don't really need him to win. So we'll see. Um, I think the bigger question mark is just going to be the passing game for the Titans. If they can't pass um, and they don't have a running game, then I don't know if you can keep up with Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. I don't know if you can compete with that without a running game. So you're going to have to see. I mean, if the Titans defense steps up, then yeah. They're good, but you we make hundred percent the uh, Titans run game. They they really need to get it rolling because their pass game, uh, it's not the greatest. I mean, they got AJ Brown, but but Julio Jones just got his first receiving touchdown just what like a week ago. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that game is fascinating. I think that's going to be another competitive game. Uh, 49ers at Green Bay. I right now <laughs> I'm I'm kind of buying into the 49ers hype train and. Honestly, I'm I'm about I'm ready to say the 49ers win this game. I I don't know if it's just my Ram brain is like I just want to play the 49ers again and beat them or what, but I'm buying into the 49ers and I think they go into Lambo and I think they win. I don't know uh are, are you picking 49ers or are you going Green Bay? They're the number 1 seed. I I want the 49ers to win this game because I I would love if the Rams can beat the Buccaneers. I would love to see the Rams play them again. I think Green Bay is going to win, though. I mean, Green Bay's at home. It's going to be cold, and they're going to have their crowd. They're going to have the home home field advantage. I mean, San Francisco's playing good, but Jimmy G, Jimmy G spot. He's he's hurting. He is. And uh, I mean, what you got, Debo Samuel? So stop that freaking guy, which apparently nobody can, and. Uh, I I want the 49ers to win, but I think it's going to be Green Bay. It's gonna that's another fascinating game, and uh, another like little nugget that I came across when I was just kind of looking at everything for the show. There's gonna be some fun games. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, at one point, when the then Washington Redskins hired Jay Gruden to be their head coach on their staff in Washington. All at the same time, they had um, uh, Matt LaFleur, they had Sean McVay, and they had Kyle Shanahan on one coaching staff. And Washington chose Jay Gruden to be their head coach. So that's kind of fascinating that at one time, all three of those guys were on the same staff. That was back in 2013. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator LaFleur was the quarterbacks coach and Shannon or McVay was the tight ends coach. So All successful. Yeah. So it's kind of More crazy successful. that at one time they all worked on the same staff and they're all kind of like linked now. So that's, so that's kind of wild. Um, and then I keep, the, I keep hearing there's some uh, beef though, between uh, Shanahan and LaFleur though. I don't know. I've heard that too. There's a I've heard that handshake. too. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I've heard some reports yeah. and people are like, "No, that's a real thing." And then I've heard other reports where people are like, "No, that's not really a thing." So, I don't know, but I'm all in to buy it like for a rivalry's sake, I'm all in. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. do it. Um last game and this might be 
the marquee matchup of the weekend and must watch, and it's probably going to get the biggest ratings, is Bills at Chiefs. And um, you got two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Josh Allen and Mahomes, going against each other. And both teams are kind of clicking right now on all fronts. Special teams, offense, defense, rolling. So this is kind of like a battle of titans excuse the phrase so i i don't know who's gonna win because they're that good but i would love for the bills to win i i would really like that so i'm gonna go bills here i am gonna go bills too love it and i i don't know if it's so much as i really just want the bills to win uh i think kansas city has more firepower on offense uh, with their receivers and um, well receiver and Hill and then Travis Kelsey. Uh, But I just really want the bills to win. And I I think, uh, you know, Josh Allen's more mobile. So that gives the the bills a little more of an advantage at the quarterback position. Cause I think him and Patrick Mahomes both have, you know, very strong arms, you know, good accuracy. So I think, if you're comparing the two, at least Josh Allen's got the mobility. But uh, yeah, hopefully the Bills pull off that win. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, I think, needless to say, it's going to be a very fun, exciting weekend of football. So we will come back to you guys next week. And uh, hopefully we're, we're doing a awesome game recap and we're talking about NFC Championship and we're not drowning our sorrows and sad that we're not in it. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening, as always, and we'll see you guys next week.